Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide. We're here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and we are streaming on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. We are an on-air deepening dialogue on issues of interfaith understanding aiming toward a celebration of our shared spiritual quest. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And we are here each Monday from 5 to 6 p.m. and invite you to join us as a listener and as a participant. You're always free to call us while we're on the air at 425-373-5527. 425-373-5527. This evening's show, we are going to talk a little bit uh, at the beginning about a program that the three of us were involved in yesterday. And then... Uh, in the second segment of the show, we'll be talking to uh, an Israeli author, Eva Etzioni Halevi, who recently published a book based on the biblical book of Ruth called The Garden of Ruth. She is a professor emeritus of political sociology at Bar Ilan University in Israel. And then... Uh, during the third segment, starting around 5.35, we'll be talking to Father Paul Federer, a Jesuit priest now living in Portland, and we're going to talk to him about a program on creation uh, that he is involved in with Brother Jamal and me happening this weekend in Portland. And we'll be talking to him a little bit about original sin evolution, and faith. So welcome to our show today. And uh, I, Pastor Don, perhaps you could tell folks a little bit about what we did yesterday. Right. We really had an unusual opportunity to um, be with some high school students yesterday at Bishop Blanchett High School in Seattle. Twelve uh, students from Seattle and then 12 international students uh, with them, and, and their host families were with them as well. Um, almost all the international students were Muslims, as it turned out. One of those Muslims, uh, one of the women, uh, was w living with a Jewish family, and that was a very moving part of the experience, I think, for us. But they wanted to know what we were doing, how we get along, where we find differences. They wanted to know about our sense of what's happening in the Middle East, especially with Israel and Palestine. Um, it was a deeply impressive time. Their, their comments and questions were so thoughtful. It made me think, and I know, uh, Ted and Jamal, you would agree that the future of the world, if it were in the hands of these people, would be okay. Um, because they're so thoughtful and so, so eager to find ways to create a world where cooperation is possible and, and so forth. So, overall, I would say it was just a wonderful, uh, it was a privilege to be with them and we were glad... Glad to be there. I, I was really impressed with the fact that uh, we all talked about 
very real issues. We didn't gloss over some of the very pointed questions that the students had. And uh, the questions were asked in a very civil way. There was, uh, and I, think, I thought, an authentic energy of compassionate listening on all sides. And really, these are questions that need to be actually looked at, talked about, uh, explored in a very personal way. That really is a way to peace. And this is what was going on, I thought, in that particular conversation. And, and Don, I really agree. Uh, I was particularly touched by the story of that Jewish family that is housing and is... And she said she's in love with this Palestinian lady, the young girl who's going to high school. And that um, Palestinian young girl asked that very difficult question about uh, can an oppressor... Uh, can an oppressed uh, people become oppressors? And that is what she feels is happening to her in her experience, in her very personal experience. And this she has brought up with her a host family. And they're talking about it in a very loving way uh, that really gets to the roots of it. And the truth of it being that we really have to engage in compassionate listening in a personal way. And of course, a lot of questions asked of you, uh, Rabbi Ted. Yeah, they... Um, <clears throat> It, it became clear that um, we had several Palestinian students who had experience of being shot at by Israeli soldiers and of having bombs fall on their villages. And it was one of those times when uh, I found that I was being asked questions that might have been asked of the Israeli government and finding it very difficult to like uh, talk about how similar our stories are. Mm -hmm. Like her story is one of experiencing oppression and experiencing uh, being shot at by people who don't want her to be there. And that's exactly the experience that the Israeli has. You know, that there are people all around who don't want them to be there and who will use any provocation to shoot at them. To each, it appears as though the other is out to get them. And one of the most difficult challenges is to authenticate the experience, like to authenticate her experience without at the same time announcing myself or all Jews or even all Israelis as oppressors, you know, because it's not a fair characterization. And one of the things I got to toward the end was... Um, here I am as an American reading on Sunday that during 2006 we have killed over 35,000 Iraqi civilians. I hate that. I don't want to kill Iraqi civilians. I, I do everything I can to stop that, yet I am unable to stop that. And I, there are people who have far more power in our government who are unable to stop that. So it's like, but 
even though that's true, I wouldn't want the United States to be wiped off the map or I wouldn't want the United States to be characterized totally by those events. There's more happening. And of course, uh, I must also say, they say that the beautiful man, uh, young man, uh, Muhammad, yes. uh, he asked a very uh, pointed question also, very important question for all traditions. He was saying, you as a rabbi, how can you reconcile the beautiful teachings of Judaism with what Jews are doing? In a general way, he said, uh, in Israel. But of course, as we know, uh, in Islam, there's so many beautiful teachings, as in Christianity. Uh, are we all following that? Right. You know, there's a verse in the Quran which I pointed out, uh, one which says that um, the Quran says, please do not let hatreds of others towards you cause you to be unjust. Be just, be just. This is closest to God consciousness. Right. All our traditions yes. Yes. speak of yes. a way of the heart, a way of love, a way of compassion, a way of forgiveness, and ultimately a way of peace. But... We are imperfect beings, and we slip into our lesser selves, our little selves, our separate selves, in which we experience ourselves at vulnerable and fragile and threatened. I think we actually started the conversation yesterday by acknowledging the irony that so much of the violence that's going on in the world today is going on in the name of some religious group and yet all religions have at the core of their substance the the way of peace the way of compassion the way of nonviolence and so um, what I was so heartened by is that here's a room full of people who will have some kind of say in the world of tomorrow and that they're listening Mm-hmm. And wanting to know how do we get from where we are now concerning religion to a world where religion can really contribute to uh, peace and nonviolence and justice. What touched me most was that truly everybody uh, at every point or at most points really spoke from their hearts. The right. students, the host families, uh, the pastor, the rabbi, <laughs> the Muslim minister. We really got into an authentic personal dialogue. And that's important and critical. And that was the that was what was beautiful about it. It was. It was beautiful. And it was the beginning of a conversation. I hope they continue their conversations. We certainly are continuing ours, as are all of you who are listening at the moment. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, discussions between a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor, and with all of you. We'll be back in a few moments after these words from our sponsor, and we will be welcoming uh, an Israeli author of a book called The Garden of Ruth. Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index.php. We wish you blessings for your life. 
See best-selling author Carolyn Mace live in Seattle featuring her new 2007 Entering the Castle book. Take a magical journey into your soul with Carolyn as she teaches you how to channel grace, heal, and let your soul become a force for change. A book signing will immediately follow this powerful lecture. Join Carolyn Mace live in Seattle on Sunday, March 25th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. Seats are limited, so call now, 1-800-654-5126 or visit hayhouse.com. Call the Oprah of radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Basile is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. McDonald's Northwest Women's Show is a show that's all about you, your body, your spirit, your life. Hundreds of exhibits, five entertainment stages, and best of all, shopping. Hear Marianne Williamson, Oprah's expert on spiritual guidance, love, and miracles, and celebrity fitness guru and author Bob Green. March 23rd through 25th, 10 till 6 daily at Quest Field Event Center. McDonald's Northwest Women's Show. It's such a girl thing. Show information at nwwomenshow.com. Spread the word. Your favorite shows are on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And this is Interfaith Talk Radio. Back with you, we are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor engaging in a deepening dialogue about interfaith understanding appreciating the treasures within each other's traditions and striving together to explore the territory of interfaith spirituality. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ. And in many ways, we together are the radio voice of NICO, Northwest Interfaith Community Outreach. And we'll be talking a little bit more about NICO and its programs in the next segment. Right now, we have an author uh, on the line named Eva Etzioni Halevi. She is the author of The Garden of Ruth, a book published uh, in December of last year. She's winding up a tour of the United States, talking about her book in various cities, and we find her now in Phoenix. So, Baruch Haba'a, welcome, Eva. Uh, thank you very much, Rabbi Falcon, and your Christian and Muslim colleagues. I'm so happy to be on your show. Well, we're delighted to have you, and we're hoping to talk a little bit with you about why it is after a career as a professor of political sociology, you've turned to writing biblical novels. Yes, well, people ask me that question quite often. It's a weird thing to do, but uh, really, uh, after I've, I've written so many academic books, uh, uh, I wanted to write, uh, to burst out into the re direction that is completely different, to write something that people would not have to read for the coursework, but would want to read for simple reading pleasure and enjoyment, a light, a light story, hmm. but also based on the Bible. Right. How is it in terms of writing? Are you, do you enjoy 
more writing the novels? Yes, I love it. Oh, it's great. Yes, yes, and particularly since I, I started to, to read the Bible in recent years and I found out what I didn't know before, uh, what a stunningly fascinating book it really is. And uh, uh, and it's, of course, the, the basis of, of three faiths in the modern world, the basis of Western culture. It's, it's right. terrific. So you've written one novel based on Hannah, called yes. The Song of Hannah, and yes. this book is The Garden of Ruth. Well, uh, can you tell us a little of why you chose Ruth? Uh, well, actually, I chose it because of the mystery unfolded in the story. It might uh, sound a bit strange, but there is, in fact, a mystery there. Uh, and it has to do, let me just sort of remind uh, the listeners what the story is all about. It's about a family uh, from Israel that came to live in Moab. And uh, then um, the husband and the two sons, uh, the, the husband died, the two sons took Moabite wives. Uh, the two sons also died uh, without leaving children. And then the, the mother, Nomi, decided to go back to Bethlehem in the land of Israel, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, accompanied her. She came there, and uh, they were both destitute because by ancient law, widows were not allowed to inherit the property of their deceased husbands. And so salvation had to come from a next of kin who uh, was supposed to marry the, the young widow, and, um, and then uh, also inherit the family's property. And it turned out that he, he didn't want to marry her, he declined. Uh, and that opened the way for another uh, relative to marry her. He was Boaz, a, a rich landowner. And uh, in the course of time, uh, Ruth became the great-grandmother of uh, Israel's most glorious King David, who is also considered to be the um, ancestor of Jesus. Okay, so where's the mystery? The mystery is in the fact that uh, the man uh, who was the next of kin and was supposed to marry Ruth, his name is not mentioned. He's referred to in the Hebrew Bible as Ploni Almoni, which in translation would mean the unnamed man, the anonymous man. Uh, and he has such an important part to play in the story, and yet uh, his name is concealed. So that is really the mystery, and I said to myself, why? Well, what, what could have been so wrong with this man that the Bible so fit to hide his, his identity? It's a great question. Yes, uh, maybe some other people who have read the, the book have also wondered, yeah. wondered about that. Well, I think Ruth takes over so much as the main character that she kind of eclipses she and Naomi eclipse the other characters, but that's a great question. Uh, yes, and, and also why did he refuse to marry her? Right. Given that he could have enriched himself, uh, but uh, he, he was perfectly willing to accept the property, but not the strings attached to it, and that's another mystery, because could he perhaps have met Ruth before and uh, had a relationship with her, and then things went wrong, and they couldn't stand each other. Those are the sort of questions that prompted me to start out on this novel, which is a bit of a mystery novel. Oh, that's great. Now, I won't ask you to reveal the answer, but in the book, do you provide an answer for that? 
Yes, of course. Like, oh, as we know, mystery novels, the answer comes at the very end. Right. Yes. Uh, and there's a young uh, female detective, biblical detective, I send in to, to oh, try great. to uncover the mystery. And she comes in three generations later. Uh, she visits the home of, of a young David, and um, there she, she uncovers a little uh, piece of parchment with a mysterious message on it to Ruth, which indicates that she had a, a, a sort of clandestine lover, and she tries to, to find out what actually happened. And, uh, and so the book is really about how this information is slowly revealed while uh, her own life is also unraveled. She's torn between David and, and his elder brother Eliab, and while she unravels the mystery, she also unravels her own life. Wow, that sounds, <laughs> sounds really interesting. <laughs> well, I hope people will, uh, will think so too. In fact, uh, some people who have read it uh, said that uh, once they started, they couldn't put it down. That's great. Eva, the, um, I, this is great because I, as a Christian, have preached on the on the book of Ruth many times, and I, I see Ruth as someone who is a pioneer from our tradition, someone who was willing to step out into the unknown in a time when she should have gone back uh, to her homeland after her husband died. Instead, she, her devotion to Naomi takes her with her mother-in-law, and so I like, I love the idea that this is a mystery, and I see it in that bigger mystery of what, what gave her the whatever it was she had to 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 flout convention? Well, uh, exactly. Both why, cultural why and theological, actually. Follow her mother-in-law. I mean, not only follow her mother-in-law, but go into a, a, a foreign country and a strange tradition, a different culture. I mean, that's not something that people would would do at the time. And. Uh, <laughs> Right, they would. They would. Not only would they not have done it, they would have been protesting. I'm right. sure that that how how awful that was to to do something that would fly in the face of convention and so forth. Okay, so she was a very strong w woman, which comes through in the in the biblical book of Ruth, and uh, also in my novel. And I think there's a very strong feminist message there that women uh, at that time were in fact downtrodden. Uh, but paradoxically, they were very strong characters, and Ruth is a prime example. She, uh, as you say, she, she goes against convention, and uh, she takes her fate in her own hands. She doesn't, you know, the options for women were so limited at the time, but within this uh, framework, she nevertheless manages to, to build a life for herself. Now, you also said that um, one of the themes that uh, comes up in the book is, has to do with interfaith tolerance. Absolutely. Uh, the biblical book of Ruth uh, and is, is known, renowned for, for this theme of uh, interfaith tolerance and I developed it further in my novel The Garden of Ruth uh, because look, look what happened. Here comes this foreigner, this Moabite woman and she becomes the great grandmother, the ancestors of royalty of of the most glorious king of Israel, which means really that um, the fact that David was descended from, from a foreigner didn't debar him from becoming king. Right. It shows a great openness in the Bible, uh, not, not in all places, but in quite a few places, towards foreigners. Right. 
Professor Eva, this is Jamal, and I, I'm assuming you have some knowledge of the Quran. I'm sorry to say that I don't. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, 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 no problem at all. But I, I was just wondering, um, well, let me ask another question then. Uh, in unraveling the mysteries, uh, you're coming up with some spiritual insights. Uh, uh, there, there are some spiritual insights uh, as well, and um, uh, the spiritual insights have, have to do, I think, with the uh, continuation of the tradition of the Bible, celebration of the of the Bible, which, uh, in fact, was uh, written so many years ago and um, is still alive uh, and well. Uh, the spiritual, um, also the, the the spiritual ideas of openness to the stranger, of equality before the law, uh, which we find in the in the Bible, uh, the, which says that there should be the same law for you and the stranger. Uh, this is a very very important. Some things that have been written over three thousand years ago sound so modern. Right. Yes. Yes. So it sounds like there's a lot of the insight about being gracious and being generous, also. Uh, absolutely. To to love the the stranger, to to accept the stranger, to to embrace the stranger. I think those yes. are yes. Because there's a, there's a very important saying by Prophet Muhammad who says the the character of a wali wali means friend of God uh -huh. uh, is based on nothing more than graciousness and generosity. And it sounds like uh, your insight really is conforming to that uh, very strongly. Uh, I, yes, I definitely think so. I mean, my insight is, is of course, based on the, uh, on the biblical text, which is precisely also the message that it doesn't matter. Yes. Uh, the origin of a person don't matter. The race doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Just the deeds of the person. Right. In the Quran, we say that Jews and Muslims and Christians are people of the book. And it... It's very interesting, all the scholars say, that the book is singular, so the Quran is like one-third of the same installment of, of that whole book. Uh-huh, yes. Thank yes. you so much, Professor well, Yuha. When, when you write, are you write in Hebrew and then it gets translated? No, actually I wrote my books in English. Really? Uh, yes, because I've been living in, in English-speaking countries for over 20 years, although I have an, an Israeli accent, my... Uh -huh. Uh, my writing is not so so bad. So. Wow, interesting. Well, it's delightful to talk to you, Eva. I'd like to let all our listeners know we've been talking with Eva Etzioni Halevi. <clears throat> She's author of The Garden of Ruth, a novel based on the biblical character of Ruth and responding to the mysteries of that story encouraging those who are listening to look for it in the in your bookshops or in Amazon. And uh, Eva, thanks for talking with us. And thank you so much for having me on your show. It was delightful. Well, thank you, we'll, Eva. we'll look forward to seeing you in Israel. Shalom and salams. Shalom, Shalom. and salam. And peace. <laughs> and we'll, this is Interfaith Talk Radio. We're uh, taking a break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back. wrong with me. 
I just can't seem to get over this. Change results in loss. With death in the family, divorce, or major illness, there's going to be grief. When you're feeling overwhelmed or like you just can't get through it alone, you can heal through grief counseling. You can call Sybil Lundy at Whole Life Counseling. For nearly 10 years, Whole Life Counseling has been a safe place to come to peace with life changes. Call 206-683-1561 or see my website at wholelifedesigns.com. See best-selling author Carolyn Mace live in Seattle featuring her new 2007 Entering the Castle book. Take a magical journey into your soul with Carolyn as she teaches you how to channel grace, heal, and let your soul become a force for change. A book signing will immediately follow this powerful lecture. Join Carolyn Mace live in Seattle on Sunday, March 25th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. Seats are limited, so call now, 1-800-654-5126 or visit hayhouse.com. Last year, Meals on Wheels, we delivered over 400,000 meals to the homes of the housebound and elderly all throughout King County. But you know what? Meals on Wheels, hey, we're running out of gas. Due to rising fuel prices, lower government assistance, we're unable to deliver over 100,000 meals this year. Get us back on the road. Help us. Watch for the March-April Meals on Wheels Fund Drive and learn more at 206-268-6785. Thanks. McDonald's Northwest Women's Show is a show that's all about you, your body, your spirit, your life. Hundreds of exhibits, five entertainment stages, and best of all, shopping. Hear Mary Ann Williamson, Oprah's expert on spiritual guidance, love, and miracles, and celebrity fitness guru and author Bob Green. March 23rd through 25th, 10 till 6 daily at Quest Field Event Center. McDonald's Northwest Women's Show. It's such a girl thing. Show information at nwwomenshow.com. Good news, Bell. Belgium, we're streamed worldwide at 1150kknw.com. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. You can also find us streaming on the internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. Cleverly, our website is our name, interfaithtalkradio.com. And you can find on the website uh, pictures of all of us in case you wonder what we look like, uh, some comments about other programs in which we are engaged. There's room for you to add your comments, your questions, and there are archives of all our shows. So if you can't catch it when it's on live from 5 to 6 on Monday afternoons, you can find them on the Internet. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon of Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman of Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie of University Congregational United Church of Christ. And we are fortunate to have on the line uh, Father Paul Federer from now from Portland. He had been in Seattle for a considerable length of time. And we're going to be talking to Father Paul about a program uh, taking place this coming weekend in Portland, Oregon, uh, uh, on creation. Paul, are you there? I'm here. Okay, welcome. Nice to talk to you, Ted. Well, Jamal, good. Don. Hello, hello, Paul. So, it, delighted you're with us. Yes, I, thank you. 
I'm delighted to. So what we're hoping is to tell folks a little bit about a program that takes place this coming Saturday and Sunday, March 24th and 25th in uh, Portland at the Madeline Catholic Church, a program called In the Beginning. It's a special interfaith weekend consisting of creation stories from the Abrahamic traditions and the new cosmology. And Father Paul, you are going to be talking about original sin, evolution, and faith. Um, I'm going to be talking about the story of the creation of man and woman, what the Bible really says, translating from the original Hebrew. And uh, Brother Jamal is talking about the surprising wisdom and beauty from the Quran. And uh, Alexandra Kovats is going to be talking about the new cosmology. So in a few moments, I will tell people how to get more information and how to make reservations for the program. But first, we'd like to talk to you a little bit about original sin. Um, I laugh because uh, that is such a dominant notion in our uh, Western tradition, and uh, it, uh, it caused a lot of damage. Boy, it really does. Most people, when they mention original sin, don't laugh. <laughs> no, they don't. Well, for about 40 years, I didn't either, until I got a new, new look at it. Yeah, what happened? Well, I, I grew up in the Depression and in the uh, Second World War, and I grew up with uh, that whole theology that, um, well, for what uh, Adam and Eve did, a couple of people did low these many years, 4,000 years before Christ, uh, they ate this apple, and uh, ever since there, there's been war and pillage and plagues, and all of us are born cut off from God, and uh, maybe your tradition didn't quite put it that starkly, but I grew up in the Catholic tradition uh, with the Council of Trent and the Baltimore Catechism. If you've seen the late night catechism and uh, you know what that kind of theology is like and what the kind of education that is like. And I grew up and I just couldn't understand uh, how this good and loving God could let that happen. So huh. I had to wrestle with it for a long, long time. Well, what I noticed when we did this program in Seattle last year that was that your approach was quite different than what I had anticipated your approach would be. Well, I, you know, I think all, all four of us, the three of you there and, and uh, me there, uh, started out with the same uh, starting point, that God loves us. Right. Start out there. It's altogether different if you start out with uh, everybody born into this world, comes into this world cut off from God. Mm -hmm. That's a... That's a, a big difference in your starting point. Boy, that's for sure. But Father Paul, do you also feel that there are a, a growing number of clergy who are beginning to really uh, speak out like you are speaking out uh, in such radical terms? Well, I, I, I think so, Jamal. Uh, my difficulty, and this comes from, uh, uh, I think there's um, instinctively we all go there. Uh -huh. instinctively go we go there the problem is is we don't have a tradition or a theology that uh, allows us to ground what we're saying and what i would hope to do is give people in in our workshop and i think we did some of this at uh, 
at St. Patrick's when we did it in Seattle, give uh, the theological underpinnings for saying, yeah, you can be a good Catholic or a good United Christ or a good uh, uh, son of Islam, son or daughter of Islam, a, a, a good Jew, and you can believe that God loves you, mm-hmm. and you have reasons for it. Yes. And that's yes. why I think that the the four of us, we would not be that far apart in what we believe. I think that's right. So much of uh, so much of re- uh, religious divisions are based upon uh, just bad theology. Especially when you consider how important it is to each of us, how self-esteem is so important, and how how the message of original sin can just torpedo any sense of self-worth and and uh, uh, engender kind of a feeling of guilt and I can't do anything right and uh, we look in the mirror in the morning we don't say you're a good person we say other things and uh, so it's a very important I think this is an enormously important conversation I do too and what's interesting about it, I just was reading some some of the material today and uh, the notion of original sin didn't come in till the 5th the, uh, century St. Augustine Right. It wasn't. It wasn't even talked about for five centuries, and uh, but we, we've talked about it a lot since. But it's really remarkable how later notions of uh, what the world is like get so powerful and wind up impacting, and one might even say infecting uh, earlier awareness. So that it kind of wipes out everything that came before. Yeah. Because that kind of, at least in my understanding of the teachings of Jesus, there wasn't that kind of punitive, you know, starting out from such a terribly negative place. You know, St. Paul didn't even. Right. Uh, they, they say that it's the original sin is uh, rooted in the uh, letter to the Romans, but... What the letter of Romans starts out with is that we are loved overwhelmingly by God, and uh, we mix things up a little bit, and uh, that's what Romans is about. How do we get back into that? Uh, when yeah. we get things mixed up, and when you add the "nothing can separate us from the love of God" piece from Romans eight, I mean that, yeah. that's such a powerful uh, confession of faith that that I applaud you for your work on this, Father Paul. Thanks, Tom. And, and is that what is your basic? Uh, insight or, or shall I say, what is your talk you give to someone who is burdened by this shroud of uh, original sin? How, how do you lift that? What is it essentially you say to a Christian? Well, I show them uh, uh, that your starting point, and when I was, te- I was teaching, at Se- I've taught at Seattle U and I've taught at, uh, also at Seattle Prep, and when I teach classes or in adult edge, I'd show that your starting point is everything. You start that people are taking scripture literally about that story of Adam and Eve. Uh-huh. Then everything about your whole view of reality um, uh, is impacted by that. Mm. If you start out with God loves you, mm-hmm. and that's the beginning of your theology, then you take the same words like uh, 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 creation, or you take the words like church, they have a different emphasis about them. It's a different point of view as you look at them. So I try to, I even do it on a flannel board just to, so they can image it. So you try to show them there's a, where you start your theology is 
is important and how, how it breaks down. Yeah. Right, and I can guarantee mm-hmm. that everybody who joins us for this weekend in Portland will actually see Father Paul utilize his flannel board <laughs> and on that flannel board demonstrate absolutely convincingly that there are really two significantly different approaches to the whole idea of original sin and there is there is an approach which rests on a boundless love in creation and in creator and in created and so and how could we start our religion anyplace else? Well, apparently for many, many ages, we've had a tendency to, to base it with something's wrong and you've got to believe this way to fix it. I know it, yeah. You know, you're evil and you're damned, and if you believe the correct way, then you could be saved. Yeah, that's right. And um, I'm okay and you're not okay. Yeah. But at any rate, I want to tell people that the program this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, at the Madeline Catholic Church in Portland, called In the Beginning, a special interfaith weekend with creation stories from Abrahamic traditions and the new cosmology. And people can call or email John Hale, who is the coordinator of this event, uh, he can be reached by email at jehale, and hale is H-A-L-E, jehale at earthlink.net, jehale at earthlink.net, and he also has a telephone, which is 425 865 zero six five nine and anybody emailing john or giving him a call can find out a little more about the weekend and paul can you hold on the line for a few minutes i'd be delighted to okay we're going to take a break for our the messages from our sponsors this is interfaith talk radio and we'll be right back all of us and father paul University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. See best-selling author Carolyn Mace live in Seattle featuring her new 2007 Entering the Castle book. Take a magical journey into your soul with Carolyn as she teaches you how to channel grace, heal, and let your soul become a force for change. A book signing will immediately follow this powerful lecture. Join Carolyn Mace live in Seattle on Sunday, March 25th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. Seats are limited, so call now, 1-800-654-5126 or visit hayhouse.com. 
called the Oprah of Radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Vasily is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. McDonald's Northwest Women's Show is a show that's all about you, your body, your spirit, your life. Hundreds of exhibits, five entertainment stages, and best of all, shopping. Hear Marianne Williamson, Oprah's expert on spiritual guidance, love, and miracles, and celebrity fitness guru and author Bob Green. March 23rd through 25th, 10 till 6 daily at Quest Field Event Center. McDonald's Northwest Women's Show. It's such a girl thing. Show information at nwwomenshow.com. Made fresh each day for you. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And this is Interfaith Talk Radio. We're back with you. Uh, a program that comes to you every Monday uh, between 5 and 6. Conversations with a rabbi, a Muslim minister, a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon of Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman of Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie of University Congregational United Church of Christ. And you can find out more about us by checking our website, interfaithtalkradio.com. It'll also tell you other programs that each of us are involved with and places where we would love to welcome you and meet you. And we are continuing on uh, our dialogue today with Father Paul Federer, who is talking to us from Portland, Oregon. We're going to be engaging with Father Paul in a program on creation this weekend. And I'm going to repeat the contact information for people who would like to find out more or register or find out more and register by emailing J.E. Hale, that's J-E-H-A-L-E, at earthlink.net or calling John Hale at 425-865-0659. Father Paul, you're still there? I'm still here. Okay, now, um, we have kind of special um, abilities when we're on the radio. I don't know if you know about this, but there are certain psychic abilities that awaken. And uh, even though you're in Portland and we're in Seattle, or more specifically in Bellevue, Washington, um, we were had the impression that you were writing down something <laughs> on a piece of paper. <laughs> well, is that true? Oh, Ted, you're a great man. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Ted, how do you do, you how do, you do that? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so the truth is that during the break, while other people were listening to the commercials, uh, Father Paul was sharing with us uh, something beautiful that he wrote down, and I said I'd like to have him read it on the air. Well, I, I just wrote this down as I was preparing for this uh, this workshop this weekend, uh, that, and uh, a lot of it comes out of working with uh, with the three of you. And it was this: religious pluralism is a gift. It reminds us that no one has a corner on the market of truth. Each religion gives us a window 
to look into what God is like and what we humans are like. Mm. Excellent. And it's like part of the interfaith dialogue and part of the richness of this is to share the views, you know, through the different facets, through the windows that each of our traditions have developed, have awakened to. Yeah. Telling the stories of what we see through the window and also, also the stories that are associated with what we're looking at. And, and not to get confused between the window and that which we see through the window. That's right. You know, too often we start arguing about whose window is the better window. I know it. Yeah. One stained glass. And one <laughs> <laughs> so really, really like, uh, as you know, some of the mystics say, really like uh, flowers in God's garden, and all the flowers are so beautiful. Uh, there's a particular verse I like from Tagore, a Bengali poet, who says, who is a song, actually, who says, Oh God, I, I came to offer you a flower, but really you must have my entire garden because it all belongs to you. <laughs> so really, uh, all these religions, like you said, is a gift from God to us. So in, in Islam, yes. what is said about original sin? Uh, actually, uh, you know, <laughs> because in Islam, if you ask me what, what is something you like so much about Islam, I would say the main thing I like about Islam, among many others, is that the human being is, the Quran says, fitra, which means uh, originally, primordially, very, very noble and good. But, uh, and the Quran says, we have created humanity on the most beautiful model. But out of a divine design, God has put in every human heart the slinking whisperer. You might say the energy of the devil, so we can really build our spiritual muscles. Which is why I love that poetry of Rumi when he uh, became inspired by this Quranic insight. He uttered, you've heard this many times, you are a ruby. You are a ruby in the midst of granite. How long will you continue to deceive us? For we can see the look in your eyes. So please return to the root of the root of your real self your Christ nature, your Elohim nature, your, your Allah nature within you, within each one of us. Mm. Now, you have a slinking whisper. What happens, like sometimes I think I have a slinking shouter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's much louder than a whisper. Yes, then you know, you just have to uh, increase the volume of that other shouter, the divine <laughs> shouter within you. <laughs> and it's in every tradition. Uh, as you know, uh, Father Paul, even the Native Americans say there are two wolves inside of us, or, you know, two beings inside of us. One is always trying to do evil, the other one is trying to do good. So the question becomes which one wins, and the answer is the one you're feeding the most. Oh, yeah, that's a marvelous yeah. story. Yeah, I love that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that book of yours, Jamal. Uh, you know, I wonder if everybody started the, their religious conviction that, uh, the way you have, uh, quoting Rumi, Sultan, Saint, Pickpocket. Love <laughs> has everyone by the ear, dragging us to God by secret ways. Mm. I never knew that God, too, desires us. Okay. So you, you could feel free to mention the name, actually, the title of that book. I will. I, <laughs> I hope you'd mention it before, Jamal. <laughs> it's called The Fragrance of Faith. It's really a very, very, very special and sweet book. Oh, thank oh, you is. so it's much. Thank amazing. you so much, Father Paul. You know, I just, I can't pay you uh, money, but, you know, I can hear those uh, gold coins, the <laughs> clinking of gold coins accumulating up there for you. 
<laughs> Thank you, Father Paul. You know, it's, it's, I, I, it's one of those books you read very, very slowly. <laughs> so we're doing the program this weekend. We're talking to people about it. Is there anything you would add to what's been said so far that you think might encourage people who are kind of thinking about going but, you know, kind of need a nudge? What would you tell them? Well, you know, it's a, it's a tough week. It's a beginning of um, spring break for a lot of schools. Uh -huh. And it is the uh, Sweet 16 and the <laughs> Final 8. So it's, it's a hard week. Uh. Uh, but I think that people, at least my experience of people uh, as we did this in Seattle, was they came away refreshed with uh, things to think about and, uh, and freer and happier. And that's a pretty good uh, incentive. Yeah, it was really, it's not only, uh, it wasn't only us presenting, but after each of our presentations, there were group activities that allowed people to talk to each other to take the themes of that which we presented and to experience a deepening of that through their own small group conversation so that it can become something people can use in their own it lives. It was very interactive yeah. and allowed for... We, we created the space for people to go deeper mm -hmm. uh, after the presentations. And there's and a lot of good, good food also, good, good uh, drinks and food and fellowship. And that's the intent of uh, this workshop. Uh, uh, there's a good space here at the Madeline... Uh, for it, and um, um, it should out work out very well. Well, we all look forward to seeing you on Saturday. And I'm spending... looking forward to. Uh, will we see you Friday? Probably Friday evening. Yep, we'll be coming down on Friday um, and uh, beginning the program Saturday morning and Sunday morning. Uh, Pastor Don won't be coming with us. We've got to leave one of us in Seattle to take care of the city up here. <laughs> but uh, the two of us will be down. And I just want to, on behalf of all of us, thank you, Father Paul, for joining us uh, on Interfaith Talk Radio and look forward to sharing with you this weekend. And Father, uh, and Father Paul, pl uh, thank you so much for your graciousness in promoting the book. And please don't stop. <laughs> I won't. I do, it, uh, I do it quite regularly. It's one of those books that I treasure. Well, God will bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. I need that. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, don't we all? Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ted. Jamal, Don. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Father. And we are Interfaith Talk Radio discussing issues this week of conversations with youth, both American and international talking about some of the personal stories, some very painful, yes. that we need to be willing to share with each other and we need to be able to listen non, as non-defensively as possible and hold each other deeply in our hearts to support a healing that can contain all our stories. It truly gave us a chance to open our hearts. Yeah. And we've had the opportunity to talk to Eva Etzioni Halevi about her book on Ruth um, called The Garden of Ruth, which we recommend. And we've been talking to Father Paul Federer in Portland about the program this weekend in Portland. Is there anything else we should tell people? 
think we should say we were glad they were listening. We're glad you were listening. We will be back with you next Monday at 5 o'clock. And all of us send you blessings for the week ahead. Shalom, salam, and peace. Amen. Amen.